0: The Stone Zone,
1: with legendary Republican strategist and political icon and pundit Roger Stone. Stone has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times best-selling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Trump. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger
2: Stone. Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. I join you today from an undisclosed location near the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, uh, because tonight I have the privilege of joining Tim Poole for his Tim Craft webcast, and I'm very, very excited and honored to have been invited. You might want to look for that later tonight. Uh, In the meantime, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis roiled the political waters yesterday by withdrawing uh, and suspending his campaign for the presidential nomination, short of the upcoming New Hampshire primary, where the very latest polls actually showed him dropping below 5 percent. Many people will not remember this, but there was a time when Governor Ron DeSantis actually led President Donald Trump, both nationally and in a number of the early state polls. Uh, Rarely have we seen such a political uh, disaster, uh, literally a dumpster fire of a campaign. But last night, I think Ron DeSantis did the right thing. Let's take a look at his comments. Greetings from
0: Florida. The warmth of being home is a reminder why I've chosen public service, from joining the United States Navy and serving in Iraq, to representing the people in the U.S. Congress, and now serving as governor of Florida. And it reminds me why I decided to run for president, to fight for those who've been forgotten in this country. This is America's time for choosing. We can choose to allow a border invasion, or we can choose to stop it. We can choose reckless borrowing and spending or we can choose to limit government and lower inflation. We can choose political indoctrination or we can choose classical education. These choices are symptoms of the underlying struggle to ensure that constitutional government can endure and that Western civilization can survive. And we launched this campaign to bring accountability to government, regain sovereignty at our border and restore sanity to our society. We cannot succeed as a country if we allow our nation to be invaded, our currency to be debased, our cities to crumble and our kids to be indoctrinated. The DC elites who facilitated this mess do not care about you and they do not work for you. They work for themselves. They seek to accumulate power at your expense to pursue an agenda that is harmful to the American people. Citizens do not serve politicians. It is the duty of politicians to serve you. Talk is cheap, actions speak louder than words. Reversing the decline of this nation requires leadership that delivers big results for the people we are elected to serve. I have a record of leading with conviction, championing an agenda marked by bold colors, delivering on my promises and defeating the people who are responsible for our nation's decline. That is the type of leadership we need for all of America. Now over the past many months, Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can in fact succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder and we left it all out on the field. Now following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time, and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory accordingly i am today suspending my campaign i'm proud to have delivered on 100 percent of my promises and i will not stop now it's clear to me that a majority of republican primary voters want to give donald trump another chance they watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance and they see democrats using lawfare this day to attack him well i've had disagreements with donald trump such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci, Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology, are over. I thank all of our passionate supporters who have stood by us through it all. That we had people volunteer to come to Iowa in the middle of a blizzard to knock on doors and make phone calls touched us dearly. No candidate had more thrown at him, but no candidate had so many committed volunteers and staff. Finally, I wanna thank my wife, Casey, and our kids, Madison, Mason, and Mamie. Casey's gone far above and beyond in her support for our campaign and for our cause. She's not only a great wife and mother, she's a great American who cares deeply about the future of the country that our kids will inherit. Our kids have seen and done a lot on the trail from playing on the famed Field of Dreams baseball site in Iowa to making their first snowman in New Hampshire. They are one of the reasons we fight so hard for what we believe in. Winston Churchill once remarked that success is not final, failure is not fatal, It is the courage to continue that counts. While this campaign has ended, the mission continues. Down here in Florida, we will continue to show the country how to lead. Thank you and God bless.
2: That was uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, and now here to help me break down the implications of his withdrawal uh, and his grudging endorsement of President Donald Trump uh, is my good friend and colleague Troy Smith, the editor-in-chief of Rare.us. Troy, welcome back to The Stone Zone. Roger, as
1: always, it's an honor to be here. And uh, after, uh, you know, I feel like yesterday was a culmination of a lot of work that a lot of people have put in over the last few months kind of to kind of expose Ron DeSantis and to see that kind of shake out in what we saw yesterday, I think was surprising basically to a lot of people out there. Um, And that's why I'm honored to have this seat so I can kind of uh, act as a as a voice for the audience here and say, okay, uh, Roger Stone. We're we're looking at this uh, Republican primary now. It's down to two. We started with Pence and Christie and Asa Hutchinson and all these people. And we're down to just Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. So I think uh, you know most Trump supporters are saying to themselves this morning, how does DeSantis dropping out of this race affect Iowa? I'm sorry, New Hampshire and and, and uh, going forward in South Carolina and Nevada and things like that, because uh, we talked about this on a prior show, Roger. Uh, DeSantis was playing a role in splitting the anti-Trump vote in the Republican uh, primary between himself and Haley. And now that he's gone, um, I think most people are looking at this saying, what's the impact going to be in New Hampshire and, and South Carolina
2: going forward? Uh, there's a, There's a lot wrapped up there. Let me address your questions. First of all, uh, let me say that Ron DeSantis uh, looked more comfortable last night than he's looked in some times. That means he knows he did the right thing. I think, frankly, he greatly regrets uh, backstabbing Donald Trump and in getting into this race. I can tell you he has sustained an extraordinary amount of damage back in Florida. His job approval rating has now dipped below fifty. When you consider that it was once uh, in the high 60s, uh, that's uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, he is, uh, uh, you know, he is uh, not got many great political prospects. He is limited to two terms as governor. He's in his second term. There's some suggestion that he could challenge Senator Rick Scott. That election is this year. Uh, Rick Scott uh, is uh, uh, in strong position for reelection he has access between his personal wealth and what he can raise to unlimited uh, resources, uh, he would be almost impossible uh, to beat. Uh, I strongly support him. Uh, it is, uh, I think, too late to mount a challenge to Rick Scott. Uh, then secondarily, uh, as I said, Ron's at the end of his last two terms. There is the prospect, which we've talked about on this show, that Casey DeSantis would now uh, run for governor at the end of his term. Uh, That's, I think, still a possibility. But Governor DeSantis has a huge amount of repair work to do in Florida, if that were to be the case. He has walked out on our state during an insurance crisis, during a utility rate crisis, during a fentanyl crisis. uh, And uh, the people here, frankly, feel abandoned. Uh, There is, of course, another Senate race here, Uh, in 2028. But Senator Marco Rubio uh, endorsed Donald Trump two days ago, didn't get the kind of media coverage I think it deserved. That was a very significant endorsement. After all, Rubio challenged uh, President Trump in 2016 for the Republican nomination. Uh, And I'm not sure where Governor DeSantis would find the fulcrum to raise money for a challenge to Rubio, if he had the courage to try that in 2028, without the uh, the position of governor. Uh, I think he's going to find that the legislature that he bullied into submission, changing the state law so that he, and only he, could remain in state office while running for federal office. If I were a state legislator and I wanted to run for Congress, that law would not have applied to me. So he changed the laws only for himself. And, uh, and uh, I would argue that he gave a one- million-dollar bribe, a legal bribe, but a bribe to the Speaker of the House for his political action committee in return for that action. So uh, to go to the second part of your question, uh, Ron DeSantis was down to about 5 percent of the vote in New Hampshire uh, in the most recent polls. And as I said on the show last week, his votes tended to break down the middle, uh, half of them going to Trump Those people who are deluding into believing he really was an America first Republican, of which I think there's serious question now. uh, And those who realize what he really is, uh, a neocon, consistent with his voting record uh, in the U.S. Congress, where he supported the uh, Biden administration coup in Ukraine, for example. So uh, I think uh, he has hurt himself very badly. Uh, This is not a day which I hope to pile on. I do think his endorsement of Trump could have been a little bit warmer. Uh, but Donald Trump responded, I think, very graciously. Uh, he actually has announced uh, that he's retired the name De Sanctimonious. Let's take a look at this. Okay. He just said, will I be using the name Ron De I said, that name is officially retired. <laughs> You know, it was very early uh, during the 22 election when DeSantis was looking at, you know, a a strong re-election that Laura Loomer and myself and others began predicting uh, that DeSantis was going to betray President Trump, the man to whom he really owed his governorship and run against him. Many, many, many people in the movement attacked us for being divisive and to sowing dissension, and kept insisting that wasn't true, but not Donald Trump. Donald Trump coined the phrase desanctimonious prior to the 2022 election. Uh, He took a lot of heat for those who said strategically attacking DeSantis was a mistake. But once again, President Donald Trump proved to have superior political instincts, calling DeSantis out from the beginning uh, and systematically destroying his candidacy. Desantis clearly never had any rationale for why he was running. Uh, again, if you wanted an America First candidate, we had the the founder of the America First Movement. As I've said on this show, if you had a choice of seeing the Beatles or seeing a Beatles tribute band, which one would you go see? Well, you'd go see the Beatles. It's it's very clear in the closing days of this race when Desantis's attacks on President Trump got more and more shrill uh, when he was using outlets like MSNBC and CNN to attack Trump, insisting, by the way, that the 2020 election was not stolen. That was completely on the up and up, uh, continuing, which he's done from the beginning, to distort his record on COVID-19 as well as Trump's record on COVID-19. People forgotten it was Donald Trump who over the objections of his advisors was touting the effectiveness effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine and, and ivermectin. Uh, I took both when I got the, the virus and they were extraordinarily effective. So um, I, I really don't think uh, that his withdrawal greatly impacts uh, the race in terms of a huge shift of votes because, well, he didn't have many votes to shift. But it does make it uh, a two-person race. Uh, Donald Trump, I thought, was extremely gracious. Here's a quick bite of Donald Trump speaking about the endorsement by Ron DeSantis. Before we begin, I'd like to take time to congratulate Ron DeSantis and, of course, a really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a A really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. They think it's easy doing this stuff, right? It's not easy. But as you know, he left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m., and in so doing, he was very gracious, and he endorsed me. So I appreciate it. I appreciate that, and I also look forward to working with Ron and everybody else to defeat Crooked Joe Biden. We will have to get him out. We have to get him out. Uh, very gracious uh, by President Trump. In fact, Ron did not run a great campaign. I think Laura Loomer's right. I think he spent more like $300 million uh, to uh, fail. Uh, but the president's right about one thing. Uh, the great danger to this country is Joe Biden and his globalist backers. Uh, and everyone who believes in America first needs to rally to the candidacy of uh, Donald Trump. Uh, that leads us uh, to your question, really, uh, about Nikki Haley. Let's be very clear about who Nikki Haley is. She is uh, the candidate of the globalists. She is uh, the candidate uh, of the, of the uh, rhino uh, neocon establishment, the people that basically Donald Trump vanquished from control of the party in 2016. Uh, her campaign is financed by some of the biggest names on the left. Why would Reed Hoffman, uh, a, a man who financed the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit against Donald Trump, which certainly looks like crap to me uh, in terms of her not being able to remember where and when, uh, picking up the storyline of, uh, of a law and order uh, special victims unit show for her, for her claims, uh, going on CNN and saying, she finds rape sexy. Uh, this is not a very credible uh, witness or a credible plaintiff, uh, unless, of course, you're in a Manhattan courtroom. Uh, Reed Hoffman, a man who we now know indisputably, visited Epstein's Island numerous times. Reed Hoffman, who is a major donor to Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Why would he be financing Nikki Haley uh, or Larry Fink, uh, another globalist? He was also involved with LinkedIn, a major donor to the Democrats, now suddenly uh, financing uh, Nikki Haley. So uh, she is uh, as dangerous as Joe Biden. Her foreign policy and defense views are indistinguishable from Joe Biden. They're exactly the same. Uh, And uh, I think she's going to meet her Waterloo uh, in South Carolina. One of the most effective things that President Trump's campaign did just in the last several days uh, was having South Carolina Henry McMaster, as well as South Carolina's lieutenant governor, and uh, substantial members of McMaster's cabinet, plus a number of South Carolina state legislatures, slators traveled to New Hampshire to tell Nikki Haley's real record when it comes to taxes, uh, when it comes particularly to uh, her ignoring of farmers uh, in that state. When they had a catastrophe. Uh, no one, I think, has greater credibility. Uh, it was a great move by the Trump campaign to have uh, McMaster travel. Uh, Nikki Haley also seems to have been caught by surprise uh, when uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott uh, endorsed uh, the president. Uh, let's see if we have uh, that uh, video.
0: Governor, the New York Times says that Tim Scott's endorsing Donald Trump tonight. What would that mean to your campaign? We'll wait and see if it happens. Have you talked to him lately?
1: Wow. That's that's really unbelievable, Roger, especially considering uh, where things are for Nikki Haley right now, as you're talking about, it seems to me that there's more energy behind the Democrat support of her campaign than there is for the Republican support of her campaign. And and just seeing her turn her back on a supporter who asked her about the uh, support that Tim Scott has given President Trump, um, we saw uh, uh, pictures of of Tim Scott traveling to New Hampshire to, to to be with Trump and and to endorse him. I mean, it's just it it's 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 shaking out, and you can tell by the look on her face there, Roger, that she seemed shocked by that. I mean, are were you shocked by the uh, fact that Tim Scott uh, endorsed President Trump?
2: Well, uh, I'm really not. Tim Scott, uh, being speculated by some as a potential vice presidential candidate. Uh, It is instructive that although he ran for president, uh, he ran a constructive, positive campaign, uh, and he was not ever unduly critical of Donald Trump uh, at all. In fact, I don't think he criticized Trump at all. He tried to make the positive case for himself. Uh, He failed. Uh, Trump's right. Running for president may look easy. It's not easy. I think Tim Scott handled himself well, and although he did not do well, uh, he walked away with the respect of everyone. Do we have that uh, bite of Tim Scott uh, endorsing Donald Trump? All right, well, we, we'll move ahead without it. It was, it was he was extremely articulate uh, and very strong. Uh, it is uh, uh, important to note that New Hampshire is one of the few states where non-Republicans can vote in the Republican primary. Uh, the deadline to change from either a Democrat Uh, to change from a Democrat to a Republican passed uh, on October 6th. However, independents who uh, make up about a third of the electorate uh, in New Hampshire are uh, entitled uh, to, uh, if they wish, vote in the Republican presidential primary. Now, uh, in the past, more independents have tended to vote in the Democratic presidential primary than in the Republican presidential primary which explains the fact, I should say, illustrates the fact that if you live in New Hampshire and you're registered independent, you more likely lean left as opposed to leaning right. But as you know, because of the way the Democratic National Committee has rigged the rules for Joe Biden, uh, there is no Democratic primary for president. Uh, there, there is, but uh, it, it, Biden's name is not on the ballot. Uh, I'm not sure who is on the ballot, uh, but there are no delegates uh, up for grabs. Uh, The state law mandates that the primary must be held regardless of party rules. So the Democratic National Committee penalized both Iowa by stripping them of their delegates. That's why there were no Iowa caucuses uh, in the Democratic Party uh, and stripped New Hampshire. Uh, Governor Chris Sununu. Uh, who is uh, uh, your classic rhino. Uh, This guy makes Larry Hogan look like Jesse Helms. Uh, You know, uh, Chris Sununu, uh, very much like uh, his uh, father, John Sununu, who was a governor, uh, one of the most slippery characters I ever met in American politics, Uh, a a massive ego. Uh, When I was working for uh, Senator uh, Bob Dole, uh, he lied to us for 11 months straight, insisting that he had no commitment to Vice President uh, George Bush. Uh, my late partner Lee Atwater told me long after the campaign they had a commitment from dis- from Senunu, and they were tickled by the way we were continuing to try to talk to him uh, about his uh, future support when they long stand had a long standing commitment from him. So line kind of runs in the Sununu family. But uh, Governor Sununu, uh, uh, Chris Sununu, the current governor, has mounted an extraordinary effort uh, to try to get independents to enter the Republican primary uh, to vote for Nikki Haley. Why would Nikki Haley be buying advertising on MSNBC? Why would she be buying advertising on CNN? Uh, There are no Republicans watching that programming. Why is she popping up uh, on the classical music stations uh, on FM radio. That's not your typical Republican primary voter audience. So she is uh, she's trying to pull independents into the Republican primary. Uh, it's legal, uh, but I think it's also extraordinarily transparent. That said, um, I would predict to you uh, that Donald Trump is heading for uh, a substantial victory, Um, I, the most recent polling I saw that I trust uh, had him at 67 percent of the vote, uh, had Haley in the 30s. I, I rather think that's where it's going to end up.
1: Well, and Roger, I think that, uh, you know, just looking at the whole picture here, we see Nikki Haley and the the, the really far, almost left wing Republican donors are kind of jumping on her ship. And, and she's the establishment candidate in the race. That's pretty evident. But I think that there is an understated play here that is going on. Um, and, and it includes uh, a guy that used to be governor of my own home state, uh, Larry Hogan. And you mentioned him uh, with Sununu. You know, this guy. Larry Hogan, uh, for all that don't know, and, and there's an article on my site, LaunchLiberty.com. It's also been picked up in several other places. Um, Larry Hogan lived with a pedophile. Larry Hogan was the Maryland governor, the Republican governor from 2014 to, to, to just recently when, when Westmore won in 2022. And he harbored a pedophile in his home. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Hogan was close family friends with a guy named Kevin Lee Hall. Uh, and in the 90s, when Larry Hogan was running for Congress, Kevin Lee Hall was living in his home. Now, while Kevin Lee Hall was living in Larry Hogan's home, he went out one night and and, and took a 17 year old boy by gunpoint, took him to a local motel and forced the kid to have sex with him. He was later arrested for this. And after it was arrested, after he was arrested, Hogan's campaign manager came out and said, "Well." Kevin is living with Larry up up at his house in Upper Marlboro, which anyone in Maryland knows uh, the area I'm talking about. And uh, we're not really sure what's going to happen yet, if he's going to be moving out or anything like that. But but Kevin is a very close family friend. And Roger, this is a guy that raped a 17-year-old boy at gunpoint. So these are the cast of characters that Larry Hogan hangs out with. And you look at uh, the No Labels Party, which he is uh, pumping up with Senator Joe Manchin and and uh, and the dropout candidate Chris Christie, who was also very close with Larry Hogan, I think the establishment Republicans are are kind of uh, keeping that on the back burner. Although you know, uh, there's a lot of people involved in it that are politically you know savvy that have some serious connections. Um, at the same time, it looks kind of like a dead end effort. I was interested to hear your thoughts on the no labels Larry Hogan side of the Republican establishment and what they're currently doing.
2: Uh, Just to put this uh, in context, uh, on Friday, I believe it was, Larry Hogan uh, told a reporter that he has not closed the door on the possibility of his standing as the no labels candidate for president, which is why uh, Troy's comments are are timely. Uh, No labels uh, has, I believe, gotten themselves on the ballot thus far in 27 states. Uh, It is, uh, we've talked about this on this show many times, it's extraordinarily difficult for an independent to get on the ballot uh, in all 50 states, very difficult to get on the ballot in enough states to theoretically win 270 uh, electoral votes. Um, This is uh, uh, the very challenge that Robert F. Kennedy faces today. Uh, Kennedy bolted the Democratic Party because it became absolutely clear to him uh, that uh, the Democratic National Committee would rig the rules against him the way they rigged them against Bernie Sanders in 2016 and again in 2020. So although Robert Kennedy remains a registered Democrat in California, he is seeking to get on the ballot. The only state that I know where he has been successful so far uh, is Utah which has perhaps the easiest uh, uh, state law in terms of ballot access. Now, every state is different. Some states, uh, you just pay a fee and you register. They tend to be smaller states. The swing states, interestingly enough, the most important places to be on the ballot, if you're going to have any shot at being president, or if you're going to try to do what he now is going to try to do, which is not to win, but to throw this contest into the U.S. House of Representatives. In other words, Robert Kennedy now openly admits that uh, if he can just ensure that neither Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is, or Donald Trump, who's now virtually certain to be the Republican nominee, can be denied 270 electoral votes, that decision now goes to the U.S. House of Representatives. But it's not one man, one vote, or one congressman congressperson one vote each state has one vote uh and whether the state is dominated with a majority republican or a majority of Democrat, congressional <coughs> members pardon me um, would determine how that state's vote would be cast this has never happened in the history of our country uh but um that's kind of the way the system works i also saw a comment by uh Congressman Dean Phillips. I'm not very familiar with Mr. Phillips, but Mr. Phillips said Friday that if he is uh, uh, unsuccessful in defeating Joe Biden in the Democratic nominating contest, uh, that he would consider uh, seeking the no labels uh, designation. Here's the problem with that. Many, many states, I would say more than half, have what's called a sore loser law. That means that if you contend for the Democratic primary in that state, and you lose, you cannot sub- subsequently come back in the fall uh, and run an uh, independent. So I would urge uh, Mr. Phillips' uh, supporters' campaign to take a hard look at that. Uh, they have really cleared the path for Joe Biden to be renominated. They will brook no serious opposition to him in the primaries or caucuses. But as uh, I have said, and I now see even Bill O'Reilly has jumped on board, uh, it doesn't matter whether Joe Biden rolls up enough delegates to theoretically be nominated. uh, There's an oversized role by the uh, superdelegates in the Democratic Party. uh, And uh, if they went to convention and Joe Biden were to announce days before that uh, his health really does not allow him to pursue another term, but that he is throwing the convention open to work its will, uh, it is the perfect storm uh, for the draft uh, of Michelle Obama. So I have predicted, as you know, for some time that I thought Michelle Obama would be the Democratic nominee. That's not the same as my saying that Michelle Obama is going to run for president. Uh, I don't think she ever runs for president. I think that she uh, allows herself to be drafted president as the overwhelming favorite of the delegates assembled in where? Oh, it's her hometown of Chicago. How coincidental. Um, uh, you see this more and more. Uh, I, I see uh, my good friend Charlie Kirk talking about it. I first brought it up, I think, major in a major way at the Turning Point USA conference in Palm Beach last year. Um, I have been uh, saying this and writing about it, talking about it at, for at some length. I still believe uh, that that is going to happen. It's funny, when I was walking through the airport on the way here, uh, I saw uh, a special commemorative edition of, of uh, I think it's a Life magazine, uh, which commemorates uh, the life of uh, Michelle Obama, another very slick piece of a campaign, uh, uh, a fodder, I should say, campaign promotion. Uh, What then of uh, Vice President Kamala Harris Uh, in a normal situation, uh, Kamala Harris uh, would be presumed to be in line for the nomination. Uh, But uh, no Democrat thinks that she can win. If the convention were thrown open, she would not be the choice of that convention. And I've said in the past, um, she steps aside for the promise uh, of the eventual nominee. In this case, I think Michelle Obama that um, she would get the first uh, nomination to the U.S. Supreme Court. She is, after all, a former attorney general uh, of California. And if we elected a Democratic president and had a Democratic majority uh, in the U.S. Senate, as scary as this may be, she could uh, be uh, confirmed. So um, anyway, we managed to cover the Democrats here as well, Troy. Uh, I'm going to cut this commercial short because... I want to get to the question of the vice presidential nomination. A lot of speculation out there today, folks. If you're enjoying the Stone Zone today, uh, we ask you to go to Frank. Uh, we, pardon me. We ask you to go to mypillow.com. Mypillow.com is, of course, uh, the uh, website uh, and uh, enterprise of Mike Lindell. Uh, we're very grateful for his sponsorship of this show. Uh, my, uh, my, pat, my uh, promo code there is stone promo code stone Uh, great great products there Uh, we're talking about bed sheets bath towels bath robes uh, dog beds pet blankets moccasin slippers Uh, if you thought that my pillow was only uh, about pillows well that would be wrong but there is the amazing revolutionary new my pillow 2.0 which utilizes a Uh, a built-in technology. So uh, we appreciate your loyal patronage. Mike Lindell is a great patriot. He is also under attack by the deep state and he needs your support as well. So please take a moment to go to mypillow.com and use promo code STONE. We are gonna have, we're gonna be uh, uh, taking on some new sponsors here uh, at the Stone Zone. I'm very, very particular about the products that I promote. Uh, I like to take products that I myself use or have confidence in. You'll see us roll some of those out, uh, and you can support us in that way in the coming days. All right. Um, President Richard Nixon once told me uh, that in seeking a candidate for vice president, don't look for someone who can help you. There is no one who can help you. Just choose someone who does not hurt you. It's ironic that Nixon said that because... It could be argued that both in 1960 uh, and in 1968, uh, he failed uh, in that regard. Um, I disagree with that. Uh, Henry Cabot Lodge gets a bum rap uh, in, historically. He was, uh, uh, he was a much more effective campaigner. Uh, terrific book by Luke Nicker, uh, historian, uh, entitled The Last Brahmin, uh, which is a biography of Henry Cabot Lodge. Uh, Henry Cabot Lodge's brother, uh, the more conservative John Davis Lodge, uh, ambassador to Spain, ambassador to Argentina, a member of Congress, uh, and uh, governor of Connecticut was uh, my mentor. Uh, uh, It is uh, John Lodge who first told me that politics is the art of inclusion, uh, a line later adopted by uh, uh, one of my very first clients. New Jersey Governor Tom Kane. Uh The vice presidential sweepstakes seems to have kicked into high gear here. Uh, let me state from the very beginning that my opinions stated today are only my opinions. I speak for myself. In no way do I speak for President Trump or his campaign. Conversations I've had uh, with him or with others on his campaign staff are confidential and will remain confidential. Um, I am only uh, reflecting my views here today, uh, but I do think that there is uh, an opportunity here. In a perfect world, uh, President Trump needs to select a running mate, first and foremost, who is qualified uh, to be president uh, in the event that uh, he is incapacitated, God forbid. Uh, But then secondarily, politically, you would seek someone who reaches out to a constituency you don't already have. Um, that is, of course, in our very polarized politics, far easier said than done. Uh, let's uh, let, let's kind of go through this list, Troy, or uh, let you take the lead. Oh,
1: exactly, Roger. Because we have a, I, I appreciate it because we have a long list of here people to kind of get through. And I think uh, we could start easily with uh, with with a guy that dropped out yesterday that we started the show talking about. There's been some speculation that Trump would uh, perhaps choose Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as his running mate in an attempt to kind of Uh, bring things together. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, here's the problem. I've explained this many times, but many people, I don't think, focused on it. While the rules of the Electoral College do not specifically prohibit you from choosing two people who are legal residents of the same state, what they do do is uh, they penalize you because if the ticket carried that state, you would forfeit the electoral votes of that state in the Electoral College vote. Uh, Certainly, a Trump-DeSantis ticket would easily win Florida, but in a close race, we cannot afford uh, to forfeit the votes uh, of Florida with its, I think it is, uh, 27 electoral votes. I have to go back and look at that. Nixon used to have them memorized. I confess that I no longer do. Now, uh, the problem with that is that Florida uh, issue also eliminates a number of other potentially strong candidates. Byron Donalds, uh, the congressman uh, from the southwestern uh, Florida, a very, very good man, a strong supporter of the president, uh, a loyal America first candidate, but again, a Floridian, someone who therefore I think uh, cannot uh, be selected. Uh, Some say, well, Donald Trump could just change his residence to New Jersey or New York, but given the way he's been treated by the judicial system in in New York State, um, I can't see any circumstance under which he would do that. He's happy to be a Floridian, uh, so I I, I don't see uh, that kind of arrangement. Dick Cheney uh, lived in Texas, legally was a legal resident of Texas when he was uh, selected by George Bush, or I should say when he selected himself Uh, as the head of the selection committee for George Bush, George W. Bush. uh, He very, at the very last minute, changed his legal residence to Wyoming in order to be constitutionally eligible. Uh, That, by the way, also eliminates my good friend, General Michael Flynn. Uh, Mike Flynn's a great man. He would make a great president, but I think he will make a much greater secretary of defense, or perhaps yet again, national security advisor. Um, I, I think his greatest public service Lies ahead, but again, uh, a Floridian, uh, and therefore, uh, I think taken out of uh, contention. Uh, who else uh, do you do you like uh, Troy? Well,
1: I, I, I you know, Florida is interesting because you know, you you really don't hear people talking about the fact that it actually would hurt Trump if he were to pick somebody from Florida. That's a thing I think people are getting on the stones, and that they don't exactly get other places. Uh, another name that I've heard a lot about is uh, Lee Zeldin, who, of course. Uh, ran for governor in New York. Uh, he's an interesting guy. And I know, Roger, you're doing your WABC show in New York, you know a lot about New York. And, uh, you know, interested to hear your thoughts on Lee Zeldin. Cause, uh, and and uh, let me add here also that there are people speculating that Trump has already chosen Lee Zeldin as his vice president. I saw you address those. I'd like you to address that here, too.
2: Yeah, look, I, I like Lee Zeldin. He's a nice guy. He did uh, do too early... Uh, rallies for Ron DeSantis uh, before endorsing Donald Trump. He did endorse him at a key time. I appreciate that, but uh, I don't know what constituency Lee Zeldin brings you. Uh, And uh, I I saw where Sebastian Gorka, who seems like a nice fellow, uh, says that that this decision is already made and Zeldin uh, has been chosen. I don't believe that that is accurate. Uh, Let's move on.
1: Uh, I think uh, another name that we've heard about uh, is uh, Governor Christie Noem, who uh, is is somebody that I think people look at and say, okay, this might bring, uh, you know, we're talking about the Midwest. We're talking about, um, you know, a different demographic area than Trump is really, you know, with the East Coast. So I think uh, that's an interesting pick. And I think a lot of people are talking about that as well.
2: Uh, look, she has a very strong record as governor. Uh, she's very attractive, quite obviously. On the other hand, South Dakota, if you don't have South Dakota wrapped up, oh, then you you have no chance of winning. I, again, I think she appeals to MAGA Republicans, and uh, there's no denial of that appeal. But I think the president needs somebody uh, more outside the box, just uh, my opinion.
1: Another one is uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik from New York, who has gotten a lot of praise recently for being... Uh, you know, tough when it comes to uh, Judge Beryl Howell or, or any number of things that she's done, uh, whether it's her conduct in the Giuliani uh, proceedings, kind of uh, standing up for him or, or anything as far as standing up for President Trump in Congress. It seems that Elise Stefanik seems to be on the forefront of a lot of that.
2: Uh, I really like Elise Stefanik. Uh, I think she would have an appeal to suburban women. Uh, she is from the East Coast. Uh, she has been very, very strong on the issue of anti-Semitism on the campuses. Uh, she deserves uh, enormous credit for uh, the resignation of the uh, the woman who's the president of uh, Harvard, who got caught plagiarizing after uh, defending the rise of anti-Semitism on that campus. Uh, as you correctly point out, uh, Elise Stefanik filed a formal complaint uh, against the judge in the Giuliani case. Uh, She's clearly a warrior, clearly a fighter. Uh, I've been very impressed with her. Uh, I would not be unhappy at all with that choice. Uh, Again, I don't think if the president has a short in his mind, he has not shared it with me or with anyone else. So uh, this is just my own view. But I I really like uh, Elise Stefanik uh, as a potential running mate.
1: This next one is my personal favorite, um, and I think if I was going to recommend somebody, this would be who I would recommend, um, and I think it's the most interesting choice. Uh, former Fox News uh, host Tucker Carlson, who I think uh, we talked about this last time, Roger, he actually wrote the foreword to your book, uh, Stone's Rules, which is uh, you know a fantastic book. I urge everybody to pick that up, but Tucker Carlson, obviously, ties to you. He's been on your WABC show. You talked about this. What are your thoughts on a potential Tucker Carlson vice presidency?
2: Well, he's a great debater, number one. He's brilliant. Uh, I don't get the impression that he is seeking the job in any way. I think he's publicly said if the president asked him to do it, he would do it. He would do it as great, at great sacrifice to himself. Uh, Again, uh, I think if you love Donald Trump, you already love Tucker Carlson. If you love Tucker Carlson, you already love Donald Trump. So, uh, again, I'm not sure how far beyond the base, but he would be an energetic campaigner. Um, I still think it is unlikely. Uh, I was happy to see Donald Trump Jr. say positive things about the prospect. Um, I would be very happy with Tucker Carlson should it come to pass, but I think it is unlikely. Uh, look, th- before the election of Donald Trump, every president we had had either been a senator or a governor or a congressman or a general. Uh, Donald Trump broke the mold when he became the first business person to be elected president. Uh, And uh, I I think you're going to want someone for vice president uh, who has some governmental experience. Uh, Tucker Carlson would be great on the ticket in terms of maximizing turnout of the base. Um, I I don't think he seeks it. Uh, and I I think it's improbable. But again, that's just uh, my opinion. I would be enthusiastic, of course, if he was chosen okay uh so we have uh, just a few more here uh we
1: have uh ben carson who and, and let me just add here i think uh if you were going to go with somebody who is proven to to stand by president trump because we all remember when everybody was jumping ship after the last election and ben carson was a guy that has kind of maintained his integrity throughout this if you were going to in my opinion roger if you're going to go with a safe pick somebody who's not, like you said, not going to hurt you, it would be Dr. Ben Carson. What are your thoughts on him potentially being Trump's running mate?
2: Well, first of all, I love Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, He spoke recently at my church at the Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church uh, in Fort Lauderdale, a very powerful speech. Uh, He is a very good man. He's a man of deep principle. He's a man of deep faith. Uh, He's certainly proven his loyalty. Uh, He's run for president before, so he knows what it's like. And that's a key factor you cannot you really can't substitute for that experience uh, on the other hand uh, again I think he appeals to many of the same people who are already for us certainly qualified uh, would be a solid choice uh, it may be a, a little uh, you know I would hope for something outside the box uh, but someone who who did not offend anyone in the base as Richard Nixon used to say base is everything uh, you have to have you have to have someone popular in the base but with some ability to reach out
1: well and i think you know ben carson is also i mean he's not a high energy guy that's good you know, he's not going to come out and, and light the world on fire i think he's a very smart well spoken guy i think i it would be it would be, he he would put a very nice face and tone behind the united states and he would he would represent us very well but at the same time like you said he's not somebody that's going to you know uh, excite people to the extent that they're gonna run out to the polls to vote for Ben Carson. I think that was evident in 2016. but very good guy, very qualified. Um, another person that I think Roger that is is a hell of a wild card here is Tulsi Gabbard. And now Tulsi Gabbard has kind of been outspoken um, against the Biden administration. She's been outspoken against uh, the endless foreign wars and she's been very vocal on a lot of important issues. Um, do you think there's any possibility that she ends up being Trump's
2: running mate here? Uh, I noticed this uh, tweet that she put up. I saw this this morning. Let's see if we can throw that up. Uh, there's a frontal attack on Nikki Haley. Uh, again, Tulsi Gabbard, former Democrat, uh, Iraq war veteran, I believe, uh, lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Reserve, a former Democrat, currently an independent, uh, not a registered Republican, uh, who says Nikki Haley is no different than Liz Cheney and Hillary Clinton women who have never served in the military and feel the need to prove how tough they are by advocating for more war. Mm -hmm. To the voters in New Hampshire, please know that a vote for Haley is a vote for endless and bigger wars. Uh, This is an intriguing idea. Uh, She would have to, of course, become a Republican. Uh, I believe 30 of the 50 states require you to be uh, a Republican. Uh, I confess to you, I don't know her positions on social issues at all. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with her views. For example. Uh, on abortion. She's a proven campaigner. She decimated uh, Kamala Harris uh, in that debate. Uh, she's certainly someone, if I were the president, I would consider. Uh, but it is, as you point out, uh, an outside-the-box idea. Um, uh, we-, we need somebody who gets us beyond the base. Uh, again, I would... I-, I-, I need to know more about her. I like what I see. I think like many people in politics, she's had an odyssey. She was once a vice chairman of the Democratic National Committee. Uh, She was once a supporter of Bernie Sanders. But then Donald Trump was once a Democrat. Ronald Reagan was once a Democrat. He supported both Harry Truman and Franklin Roosevelt for president, became one of the leading conservatives in the country. People who don't change their views when they get more information or when they learn more uh, well, those are very sad people indeed. I don't think you can change your views overnight, but I do think there can be an evolution in your views. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting idea at a minimum.
1: Um, and and another person that uh, seems to me to be kind of uh, you know former administration person, very uh, professional, done a great job in Arkansas, is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, I like her very much. Uh, of course, she owes her entire political career to Donald Trump. Uh, Unlike Ron DeSantis, who also owed his political career to Donald Trump, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has uh, endorsed uh, the president. Uh, It's very interesting to me, DeSantis pledged at one time that he would push and sign a law in Florida that prevented the communist Chinese or people fronting for them from purchasing land in Florida, any land. When you saw the bill that he finally signed he signed a law that says that they can't buy land if it is contiguous to a national security facility. Uh, I'm not even sure how many of those we have. I'm not sure if a military facility qualifies as a national security facility. So that was a great press release. I think this is one of the (laughs) most impressive in the country. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has signed a law that prohibits the communist Chinese or any Chinese business entity that is fronting for them, because in China, everything is owned by the party, from actually buying prime ranch land or, uh, or farmland uh, or any uh, real estate, including airports, ports, uh, toll booths, highways, the Chinese across the country are buying up U.S. assets, crucial infrastructure assets. She uh, has had the courage to stop that. I think it is unlikely, uh, only because of her age and the fact that she's in the, I guess, the second year of her governorship. Uh, But I would not be unhappy with that choice. Uh, She's a great campaigner. She certainly knows Donald Trump.
1: That she does. And I, she's very well-spoken and very professional. And, and, and just, uh, I think as far as, uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, Gnome and, and, uh, and Sanders have kind of played the opposite of Ron DeSantis who decided to put his neck out there. And at the end, the result is they all endorsed Donald Trump. So it's kind of interesting how they all end up in the same place there. Uh, one more here, Roger, cause we, we've, we've kind of run through the list here. You talked about this quite a bit and I think it's an interesting idea, especially now, um, rfk jr you know you talked about him potentially being a vp very early on um and i'm interested in just overall your thoughts on how rfk is doing and how he's running his campaign um c- compared to where you were on that kind of a few months ago because we
2: haven't talked about that in a while and the underlying premise i did write a piece about this for substack it was kind of a wistful piece uh but at that time i believe that he would run for the democratic nomination that he would be, that he would raise some important issues specifically about sealing our border, specifically about continued funding for the war in Ukraine, which he's opposed to. He has great, correct historical uh, uh, understanding uh, of what the conflict between Russia and Ukraine is really about. Nikki Haley keeps saying that Putin has said, the Russians have said, that once they take Ukraine, they'll take Poland, they'll take Germany, they'll take the rest of the Baltic states. Nikki, please show us where either Putin or the Russians have said that. I don't believe they've said that. I don't believe economically they could afford to do that. Uh, and that would surely trigger NATO. Ukraine is not a member of NATO, at least not yet. So uh, he is uh, he's good on those issues. However, that was based on a premise that he was running for the Democratic nomination, that he was going to do substantial damage to Joe Biden in that effort. Uh, But at the end, he, uh, like uh, Bernie Sanders, would be kneecapped uh, and that he would create a pool of Democrats and perhaps younger voters or people who've been drawn to his candidacy based on his issue positions, which on many, many issues, but not all issues, uh, are similar to President Trump's. Now, I think, however, is a completely different situation. Running as an independent, uh, we get to learn his real position on climate change, where he's a radical for climate change, actually once proposed that those who don't agree with climate change should be arrested. Uh, He is for abortion uh, on demand. Uh, He is uh, for reparations uh, over slavery. Uh, At this juncture, um, I I think there's zero chance that he could be chosen. I think his candidacy actually damages uh, Donald Trump should he get on the ballot. Uh, And perhaps that was the plan all along. So my views have changed based on changing circumstances. I can't see uh, any instance uh, under which the president would choose him, nor should he, nor do I think anybody who shares the America First agenda, uh, who has skepticism about this war, for example, uh, should waste a vote on Robert Kennedy. energetic. He is. But it's still, as I said. Remains to be seen if he's even going to get on the ballot. Uh, But all of the polling is pretty clear. If he does get on the ballot, he disproportionately takes votes from Trump rather than Biden. And therefore, I think his candidacy went from being potentially a positive development for President Trump to being a negative development for President Trump. Uh, Also you have the issue which I mentioned earlier. To be nominated by the Republican National Convention in at least 30 states required you to be registered in the party. Uh, he's a Democrat. He's going to remain a Democrat. Uh, I don't think he's helping our movement right now. Unfortunately, I think he is hurting our movement. Uh, I-, I like his upbeat message, but it's unrealistic to think that, that everyone will come together just if, because he's elected president uh, is uh, not going to happen, uh, and the giant pharmaceutical companies Uh, that he criticizes, uh, have no intention of just stopping their activities were he to be, which is highly unlikely, uh, elected president. He also says that China doesn't pose a danger to us, except for economically. I don't know. The large number of uh, military-aged Chinese males coming into this hemisphere through the Darien Gap is concerning to me. The saber-rattling of China is concerning to me. Only Donald Trump, I think can can prevent a world war. Only Donald Trump has both the respect uh, and I think, the fear uh, of these foreign leaders. He is unpredictable. And unpredictability in foreign policy is a, a very key quality. Uh, they know trump will will always stand up for America. unlike the Biden administration, which is somehow thinks unfreezing hundred billion dollars for Ukraine, Uh, is going to bring peace. We are, in essence, financing both sides of that dangerous conflict, unfreezing assets for Iran, as if we don't know that they use them to finance Hamas and Hezbollah. Uh, At the same time, uh, we are financing our traditional ally uh, in Israel, while putting restraints on Israel in terms of the way they allowed to defend themselves. So uh, we're on both sides of that war. Only Donald Trump. in Ukraine, only Donald Trump can end this conflict uh, in uh, in uh, in the Middle East. He had starved off Iran. They were out of money. Nobody was buying their oil. Uh, he really had their backs against the wall. Joe Biden has moved them into a very dangerous, dangerous position. We've got about two minutes here. Uh, Tori, you want to wrap this up?
1: Oh, yes, yeah, we could, and I I just want to point out for everybody uh to check out on, on Rare.us, We did the initial story, and it's kind of you know Rogers been picked up by Natural News, has been picked up by Infowars, talking about a mediaite and the uh, fake audio that they produce. And I just wanted to point out, we have the comments from Hitesh He 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 sent us exactly what we published, and I think it's important for everybody to go back to that article and to look and say, okay, uh. This is a guy that's involved with recording. This is a guy who is involved with a lot of different uh, aspects of of, uh, audio engineering. And he comes in and he says this.
2: Unfortunately, we are out of time. There have been four different uh, professional independent analyses of this audio. It's a fraud. Uh, It's a smear. Uh, People say, why don't you sue? Well, I'm seriously considering it. There's a very high barrier for defamation under the Times v. Sullivan. But uh, it's not true. Uh, And we'll have more about that tomorrow on The Stone Zone. In the meantime, God bless you. And thank you for tuning in. Thank my co-host, Troy Smith. And folks, go buy MyPillow.com. Use promo code STONE. God bless you and Godspeed.